0: Hello, Polyam fam, and welcome to Talk Your Poly Off, presented by ilovepoly.org.
1: This is your podcast for ethically navigating your relationships, your community, and yourself
0: for a healthier and happier lifestyle. This is Bella Doll. She is my sunshine full of giggles. And this is Joshua Monsuda, the logic to my emotion and the chaos to my order. So now you know us. Pull up a seat
1: and let's talk our poly off.
0: Hey there, Ann fam, and welcome back to Talk Your Polly Off. I'm Bella. No, you're not. What? No. I'm I'm Bella. You're Monsuda. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No. Yes, Infinity?
1: Okay, fine. (laughs) I'm Bella. This is Monsuda.
0: What? Huh? And it's a special episode.
1: It is a special episode. Why?
0: Because we have a very dear friend of ours that we want to have a chat with today, whose birthday it also happens to be.
1: Oh, well... (laughs) Yay! Let's welcome Kiki to the show. And say happy birthdays. Happy birthday, Kiki.
2: Thank you, and thanks for having me.
1: I'm really glad that you took the time out of your special day to hang out and talk with us.
2: My special day has a lot of time in it because of the
0: time we are in right now. So
2: I have a lot of time. Thanks for having something special to add to make my day even more so.
0: Yay! Well, let's talk about what's going on with uh, COVID-19. How are you handling all the self-isolation stuff? Day by day, like I think most of us, but I think that, I don't know, it
2: just depends on the day, really. I think we are going one day at a time because everybody feels different, and you never know what you're dealing with until you wake up. So, today has been pretty good. (laughs) How are you?
1: (laughs) Oh, super good. I'm not climbing up the walls and I'm not bouncing from room to room and I'm not pulling all of my hair out. (laughs) This is a great time for me. I feel very at peace. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's been a pretty good morning. We were pretty productive today. Had to venture out and get some groceries, but it's been a pretty good day so far. So we didn't sleep the day away, which is a good thing
1: like I did yesterday.
0: Because I'm still working from 6 a.m. to noon. I got off work and he was still in bed.
1: (laughs) I stayed up late working on other things.
2: I've been having the problem of working from home, but having all of my home habits. So staying up until the wee hours, but then having to get up and like, yeah, your commute is 30 seconds, but like you, you've burned all your morning routine away by, you know, logging on to Facebook too long. And, and then I'm, you know, i jumping on the computer and I'm just kind of trying to catch up with, you know, shifting. I've had that whole commute to get into to work mode and all of that. So when it's walking from the couch to the computer, it's not at all the same. I mean, so I'm, so I'm like starting my day up too late, work-life balance that way, which has been interesting.
1: Well, I found myself scrolling Facebook a lot more, not interacting so much, just mindlessly scrolling on my phone for 20 or 30 minutes and realizing, wait a minute, I just did all of that when I could have been doing anything else.
0: We've got multiple projects around the house going on, and you know, you start one and you get bored, so you move on to another one. So, there's a bunch of things started, but we haven't really finished any of our projects. <laughs> I've
1: finished one of them. It oh, would you, oh, you the finish? The bookshelves. I organized the books on the bookshelves. Oh, that's right, yeah. That was important to me.
0: That was.
1: So, speaking of important, I want to call out I know that we're doing audio right now, but we can see you through our Zoom chat. Yeah. And you have an amazing tiara. I love it. And <laughs> you even showed me a couple of pictures. Could you explain your tiara a little bit? Please?
2: Well, because this is my quarantine, quarantine birthday, I felt like I was going to want to fancy it up a little. I've been doing kind of an an apocalypse outfit of the day because I I'm somebody that needs those systems in order to like be able to differentiate between yesterday and today. I and I'm also somebody that's very expressive through like what I choose to wear. So cutting that out for the first week of quarantine I think I wore the same pajamas the whole week and when I got to the end of that week I was just so in a rut and like I couldn't figure it out so I started doing this like I'm gonna get dressed every day and I'm gonna just be more like who I normally would be going to work Um, and then for my birthday I decided that I was gonna make a tiara and I started you know hitting the internet and figuring out what I could do with supplies on hand. And then glitter was ruled out by both of my partners. So <laughs> I actually asked if we had some, they asked me to reflect on whether or not that was a good idea, especially when we're all trapped together, unleash glitter into the house. So I, uh, I, I nixed that one for the good of the group and I ended up going with hot glue, which um, I'm learning a lot. And uh, just, From playing with hot glue, I've never really, I mean, I've used it to stick stuff to stuff, but like, that's about it. And uh, I've been watching YouTube and doing it like the kids do. And then I built uh, (laughs) built a really big, massive, lumpy, melty monster of a crown, which is what I call my night look. And I put it on and wore it long enough to do a photo session with one of my partners yesterday. And then... (laughs) Decided that that wasn't going to work for a day. And so I, I whipped out a nice light little twiggy uh, day piece so that I could make it through the day with my fancy hot glue tiara. <laughs> I Acrylic paint and hot glue do not work very well. There needs a tooth. You know, you got to scoop it up and give it something to hold to. But, you know, I'm not. It, it was for one day. I haven't worked out all the all the problems yet. Yeah. Learn as I go.
0: Well, you mentioned that you've got two of your partners in the house. How are you relationshiping when you're all stuck together? Like, are you making special date nights a thing? Are people getting on each other's nerves? Oh, yeah.
2: My poor introverted partner is probably feeling it the most. He likes quiet, and he likes chill, and he likes his routine. And normally that's fine because my other partner and I are both go and do and, you know, be out and go to parties and go to karaoke and all that stuff. And and now we don't have that time out of the house, so we're always there. (laughs) <laughs> it has been an um, an, oh, an exercise in remembering what we do like to do together and respecting space. Like people, when they close that door, really need that door. And I'm the only one in the house that doesn't have a door of my very own. So that's also interesting.
0: <laughs> Are you guys making special time in any way? You know, we have different... Needs
2: my part. My I've been with one partner for about 13 years and the other one for about eight. And the partner that is introverted, what we need are to go to bed at the same or not at the same time, but in our normal way and be there. We need our little check-in routines to still happen um, and not just be about like problem solving, which is something that we often get into is we're the problem solver partnership and we make a lot of those choices and then we present them to the family and everybody kind of votes. So we end up sometimes taking too much time of our time to connect with like family business, which we're trying to be mindful in this time to still create those pockets together, but he doesn't really need the same kind of partnering and uh, like, let's connect and make sure that we have this time as my other partner. So it's been pretty easy to just block off time and say, okay, from like eight to 10 is when I give this partner a lot of my time and that kind of gives the other
0: partner time
2: away from us. So it works pretty well. (laughs) So we haven't really fought up against that. It's more just trying to be creative with like what to do when you're just kind of hanging out and always at home.
1: Always at home, does that mean that there's no essential workers in the house that leave for work? Does it all come home and it's almost like a 24 seven thing?
2: Yeah, I am the closest to being an essential worker and I have managed to get this last month at home um, doing, I'm handling a lot of like building online content and things like that. So, so far I've been able to stay home. We are looking at some possibility that I'll be called back. Uh, I work in early childhood, so we're taking care of frontline essential worker children. So, or the children of frontline essential workers only, but that's also woo, like a pretty high close to the frontline connection. So we've been exploring ideas about quarantine, um, what that might look like for our family, you know. but we haven't had to get there yet. I'm kind of on a week by week check-in and I've managed to build out a pretty big week for next week. So they're not calling me back yet, but then who knows? Um, so we have had to look at like what, that would look like for our family because it would be very different if one of us was suddenly you know working and with pretty close contact
0: i know we've got a friend who is a nurse and she's on the front lines and her live her husband at home has celiac disease and so he can't come in contact like he'll get sick real quick real easy so when she was working you know, she's got a couple of days off, but when she's going to work, she's quarantining in the garage. She was like, I'm just going to set up a tent or whatever and stay in the garage. I have to wear my mask all day at home. I can't touch anything. I mean, obviously gluten's a big thing for him anyway. So the household is pretty adjustable for them, but man, she was like, I almost want to just park an RV in the driveway and just live in the RV. Cause I don't want to get my family sick.
2: I mean you have to think about the psychological impact that that's having on these people that are already under so much yeah. you know psychological stress and I mean legit real stress every day going into work and being working with people that have diagnosed COVID and then coming home and not having even just their systems and their own comforts but then to feel like you're bringing that infection into your home possibly that you could endanger your family and then like living in the garage I mean how what do you do to to manage your stress when everything is different and you're living in the garage. I mean, that's hardcore.
0: And as somebody else had mentioned too with the stress and with little kids that I know you work with and homeschooling all the things going on that some of my friends are more in the, yeah, homeschool, I'm going to go hardcore. And others are like, you know, I don't want to add extra school stress on top of my kids because that'll hit their immune system if they're too stressed out. So I've seen kind of parents go both ways too with the kiddos trying to just manage stress. I don't know. It's so crazy.
1: And on one hand, you Mm want to decrease the amount of stress a child is feeling from increased homework. But on the other hand, in in some ways, it also gives them a chance to focus on something other than this great big scary thing around them. Sometimes it's a little tougher for kids to process big world things. And something like that could theoretically could also help them out.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: So I easily could see it go both ways. and. I think either way is a good way.
0: Yeah, whatever works for your family.
2: Doing um, online school this year because uh, I have two kiddos 117 and in their junior year and one is 11 and in their sixth grade year but they've been using online learning and we've already found for us it's not even easy for everybody to learn online we don't all learn the same way and this year has been such an interesting process about learning how to even relearn like how we organize information and how we stay on top of things and like the due dates are kind of fluid and as we were talking about before when you don't have a lot of things that differentiate days so you're you're trying to keep track that you have something do it tuesday at three and something else do it thursday at four and you're not even really sure that it's wednesday (laughs) so it's a different kind of learning
0: i saw a uh clock online like a facebook ad and it was instead of the hours on the clock, it was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, so you could see at least what day of the week it was. <laughs> <laughs> I need that in my life, right? So, what are you most excited about when you get to come out of isolation when all this goes away? What are you? What are the first things you want to do, or you're looking forward to?
2: Hanging out with
0: you kids.
2: <laughs> <laughs> all those parties are missing. I know. Yes. yes. No, for real, like. Human contact, it's been interesting to see how we adapt because people are, I think, more connected than even they were before we went into isolation. It's made us really figure out what relationships are important to us and how we're going to maintain them when we can't see each other. And new ways to connect so that we don't feel so isolated, right? It's really been pushing us into considering what connected really is but I miss, you know, I miss
0: hugs. I I really do.
2: Hug, I'm just, ugh.
0: I know. It's funny because in general, I'm not. Touch isn't my first priority, but I still love touch. Like, it's not like I don't want it at all. So this is definitely highlighting for me how much I still need that in my life. Even just the platonic friend hugs, I still need that touch. But it's interesting for us. You know, I'm super grateful that I've got a nesting partner at home with me. And so I'm not alone. And I get that like solo poly people who are living totally on their own must be struggling hardcore. But there are definitely times where him and I, or at least I, will have days where I'm like, I need a little bit of
1: space. Yeah.
0: But then later, I just want to be all touchy, lovey, don't go anywhere, just hold me.
1: (laughs) And because I'm primarily a touch person, and she's not so much... I'll hug the pets a lot now. Like, <laughs> they're so glad that I'm home because I'm always cuddling with the dog or the cat. or Like, I'll hug the plants or the coat rack. I'm just... <laughs>
0: <laughs> hold
2: me. <laughs> No, our our pets are stoked. Like our pets are having, they, you can tell, they're just so happy that there are humans all over the house that are bored and ready to love them. Yeah. Um, and they have been featured on, you know, like I'm seeing it everywhere. You go online and everybody's like, here's my cat today. Cat of the day.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah and it's interesting too, because I've found that both animals, now my cat's a pretty independent cat and he's good just doing his own thing but both of them have become so codependent and even clingy that if I'm sitting at my desk working and the dog is down on the ground, Loki's sitting on the ground next to me, as soon as he sees I'm getting up to go to the other room, he's following. He's like, what are you doing? Where are we going? What's What's going on? I wanna know. I wanna be here. I wanna do all the things. (laughs) And then even the cat is looking for more love all the time. And I've found that the cat and dog, who usually, they coexist. But now that there's so much living activity going on in the house, now I'll find the cat cleaning the dog, and they cuddle together. together.
0: (laughs) We were just talking yesterday about throwing a couple parties coming out of quarantine. One of them.
1: Wait, one of them was inspired by you. Yeah, actually.
0: One of them would want to do like a quarantine, what did you call it
1: yesterday? It was like a post-quarantine birthday bash for everyone who had birthdays during quarantine. Yeah. Yes. Everyone's going to want to celebrate, and naturally I'm not going to try to make this event take place over anyone else's plans, but if we can coordinate it, we can have like six birthdays or eight birthdays all at once, and then there'd be so much cake. <laughs>
0: But then just doing, uh, in general, maybe if it's still summertime, maybe August or something, do like a big barbecue bash kind of a thing to get everybody out of the house and together. And
1: And then for the the people who do enjoy a lot of touch, we're also thinking about having like a blanket fort cuddle party.
0: Yeah, a a friend cuddle puddle.
1: Yeah. So we've got plans. I
0: love it. Yeah. Sign me up. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> you'll be there got it we'll count you in so we talked a little bit about just kind of what's going on nowadays but I want to go back and I want to know a little bit of your poly story and how you got into ethical non-monogamy in the first place
2: I started at the wee age of 17 um I had a Long-term high school boyfriend. And we were one of those, you know, blended name couples. We met our freshman year, stayed together all through high school. And then we went off to college 30 miles apart, but neither one of us drove. So we were like, okay, this isn't going to really be easy. Like We knew, and that was before, I mean, Way before Uber. <laughs> so, getting, and it was down in LA. So, yes, there were ways to get around, but not that great. And we both knew that we really loved each other. And we also knew that we didn't want to limit each other's experience. This was 1995. So, we started to kind of try and figure out how we could date or say yes really was our thing. Like, how can we say yes to experiences that might be compromising to monogamy? and how do we still respect each other in the morning. Then I got my hands on ethical slut and read that, which at the time was like revolutionary. Now I know everybody has had lots of additions and things that they think are problematic and whatnot, but the problem with when you write something that's revolutionary is that you haven't had time to refine it, right? Like we've learned since then. We have different ideas since then. Uh, So I read that and that started to make a lot of sense to me. And so I just started doing it. And back, I mean, there wasn't even stuff on the internet in 95. There was Loving More, I think, was a resource that I used. There were a couple of sites that I even knew what polyamory was. And so I just kind of clung to that and always ended up there. I would have three things when I went first meet people. I called them the three P's. They were pot, poly, and pagan. If you were cool with those P's, you were cool with this P. You know, I was, I was good. So <laughs> I met my first partner online uh, through OkCupid and went out on a date and we really connected and stayed together as pretty much, a, a, we were open, but Relatively monogamous the first year that we were together, and then our just basic differences led me to start dating a little bit, and then I met my second partner. We actually grew up in the same hometown together and started chatting uh, through Facebook when my first partner was in college and I was living in Tucson while he was living in Portland. So I was starved and deprived and needed some love. So I, you know, did a little online hookup and started visiting and, and really my second partner was only supposed to be what I like to be like my vacation partner you know I always get the hottest underwear always has like we don't talk about bills we don't talk about nothing I, I I don't have any responsibilities I get to go out and just you know have fun when we see each other and that was really what that was supposed to be about and then he decided that he wanted more <sighs> <laughs> about six years ago we decided to make a go of it as a family the two partners are so we're a v i always have to do like my fingers to talk about it i'm the connection (laughs) and near the two shall i i keep trying to pitch some really awesome ideas about how i think it should go and i also have to go with like what they really want so What we have found is that their Venn diagram of common interests and like pop culture and movies that they like and all of that is such a large overlap that the two of them get along so well. They're kind of like built-in BFFs, which works really well, especially I think for the more introverted partner that doesn't really get out and have a lot of relationships. So that has actually been kind of a cool thing. We consider our family our primary, so we make decisions based on what is best for our family, and then we go from there. And so far, it's just been kind of running six years now. We're doing okay. This situation has put more pressure on us than we've felt in a long time. The beginning was a little hard to get through, and then you you have all those conversations, and you do all of that work, and all of that talking, and all of that processing, and then you get through it. I always tell people you will get through it. It doesn't feel like it when you're talking and talking and talking, but it, you will. And then you're like chugging along, right? And then something like this happens, and you're thrown back into it. For us, it's about quarantine. Right. It has really thrown us into discussing how we feel. We have different ideas about how that should go. So it's been interesting. <laughs>
1: Well, it sounds like you've had a really great journey and a lot of good experience. I'm sure that every relationship has trouble, but it's wonderful to hear that you have this V that's been happening for so many years and everyone with or without the trouble is working really well. And I just want to say, I appreciate that, you know, that you're sharing this stuff and I hope that people who are listening can also realize that, like you said, You just got to talk through and work through the hard stuff. And if it's meant to work, you'll come out the other side and you'll do well. Yeah. So I think that's really cool. And I think that what you guys have got going on right now is really awesome. Did you
0: have some expectations when you were still new or starting that didn't work out? Like, Did you think it would go a certain way and then it went totally the opposite or something like that?
2: Okay, so first of all, I also want to buy land and build my intentional community, Utopia Poly, oh. all the way thick. That has also been, I think it is the the unicorn, that's the real unicorn in Poly, yeah. right? is the land with the intentional community of everybody that loves each other. Yeah. I was actually, I actually lived in community for 13 years, I'll tell you, that's got its ups and downs too, <laughs> <laughs> but I really did have this, I thought two couples, both pansexual, bi- bisexual at the very least, would be like the the pendulum. You would have all of the different things that you could possibly need, and pairings, and kink, and all of that, if you just had this thing. And then, that was also in 95, when I thought of identity in very different ways, and I didn't understand within those parameters how many different expressions of identity there are, and all of that, but in 95, that was the ideal. We've learned a lot since
0: then. Have any of your dynamics changed With both of your partners, like, was there ever a, we're going to date together, and then just kidding, that doesn't work, or was there any growth and change like that?
2: So I will be the first to tell you that I did poly poorly. Like made so many mistakes in the beginning and even in the middle and could even maybe tomorrow make some more mistakes. (laughs) I don't, I am not somebody that, that feels like I know it all and that it stays the same. It changes all the time. So our dynamics have changed several times. When my first partner and I first started dating, we had ideas about how that would look and then i found that i didn't much like to know about all of his dating because i felt one of the things was we didn't have the same level of intimacy needs like i'm incredibly needy of sex and sexual connection and he is not so much so when he started dating i found that my jealousy was pretty like I felt a little bit like how can you be getting more when you're not bringing it when I need it (laughs) so I came from a real space of that and also there would be something like eye gazing he he would talk about we would make fun of eye gazing we like thought it was hilarious and then he got a girlfriend who was really into eye gazing and I just could not handle it I could not handle it so I would like flip out because I thought it was hypocritical and I didn't quite realize that you were you could be different things and celebrate different things and maybe making fun of something was that you were actually really curious about it and hadn't really had anyone that openly accepted it and wanted to teach you about it you know like I said we grow we grow right
1: (laughs) could you explain what eye gazing is to us and to everybody it's
2: profound deep eye contact for a very, very long
1: time. <laughs> uh. Well,
2: I don't know. I mean, I think it could be intense, too. Like, <sighs> <you know? laughs>
1: well, So I do understand that to a degree in a lot of ways because I operate a certain way, right? And then there are certain things that I don't much care for with my normal life or when I'm with this partner And a lot of that became really apparent when Bella and I started dating. Like, I give a damn about Disney movies and all that cutesy stuff. And then she comes along, and it's not so much that I'm like, oh, yeah, I just remembered I love Disney movies. (laughs) It was more in, in that scenario. It was more like I would watch and see what made her happy. And that sheer light that she emitted when she'd get to experience these things is what I found the joy from. So for me in in a scenario like that, watching a Disney movie, cool. But watching her watch the Disney movie really filled me with warmth and joy. I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but I think that's kind of similar to what you're trying to explain on how people are different. There are certain times or certain things that are unique to a scenario or to a partnership. And as hard as it is, because like there are certain things I make fun of, (laughs) but she loves. And so I don't make fun of it so much. I support her.
0: Like Christmas. I'm a total Christmas person. He's a total Halloween person.
1: Because Halloween is better.
0: (laughs) So so he was bashing on Christmas. And and then a little bit later I'd be like, but you want to put up the lights with me, right? Because I need my Christmas lights up. We made a compromise. Two years ago, yeah. and we bought a black tree.
1: And then every other year, one year, we will decorate it nice and pretty and traditional. And the next year, I get to make my zombie Christmas tree or my Cthulhu Christmas tree.
2: I think it's great. I think that's what it's about, right? right. Is I do think that I have learned a lot about compromising by having multiple partners. <laughs> yeah.
1: Do you have maybe tips to help others learn how to compromise?
2: It just froze me. My brain is kind of processing and I'm thinking, I mean, really, can I say that I've really learned to compromise? (laughs) Maybe I need to take that back. (laughs) Others have learned really well how to compromise with me. Maybe that's more what it's about.
0: (laughs) Are you at all trying to date new people within quarantine and isolation? So
2: this is where it gets a little bit challenging for us We're relatively closed actually we're we're like way close more more close than I would like to be I'm the one that always gets a little restless for some strange <laughs> I love a new experience that's what it is for me meeting new people, having new experiences, connecting in different ways, really getting to experiencing the things that you haven't. I mean, that's what life feels most alive for me is when I'm doing something, even if I don't, if I walk away, not necessarily liking it, I still like it, you know, because I did something different and I think that's how I feel about it. So I start getting a little itchy for, for that, but my first partner could care less. Doesn't as long as I'm out of the house having fun and I'm safe and healthy and I feel safe and healthy when I come home, he's all good. The second partner, not so much. The second partner came from monogamy and against a lot of other people's. council we got involved and we worked through it. and for the longest time it was fine every once in a while it does rear its ugly head and we have to get real into like what the boundaries really are because I'm going to be somebody that connects with people and has those connections and I don't want to do this in a way that isn't respectful or consensual and I also know who I am and I don't want to have to compromise everything so we basically got like a boundary around insertion, which also very hard for me. It's like a fine print detail to me, like tab A and the slot B is so not what it's about. You know, I can have like somebody that I am absolutely obsessed with that I never have sex with. So for me, it's a strange thing, but isn't always all about me.
1: It sounds like that you would be open to other relationships if all partners currently consented, what about your other partners? Are they monogamous, monogamish? Do they date?
2: So uh, the second one has no desire to date. I have tried. In fact, that's been kind of like, I mean, admittedly, like how I'm like, hey, if, you, if I can get you into doing this and you can have those moments where you understand firsthand that being with somebody doesn't mean that you are going to not be with somebody else or that it lessens that or that you're comparing these people. Because once you experience it, that doesn't really happen, or at least that's not how it goes for me, then it feels a little like, how can you imagine that from a point of monogamy until you've experienced it, right? So I have tried that, but it did not work. So he, no, and then the other partner really sees his alone time as his other partner, if that makes sense. I mean, like, I've never limited it, but he has definitely said, like, I don't have the capacity to date more than one person. I mean, I probably take up a lot of bandwidth, to be fair. But... But also just like when you are fulfilled and when you are happy and when I also have what fulfills me and it doesn't come at a cost to you, it feels balanced. And so that works really well for us. So I don't often have to deal with those feelings of having my partner date other people. I I have had to in the past, but it's been a minute and I don't know if I would be. I mean, I think I would still struggle. Envy is a big one for me. Envy way more than jealousy. That whole what if you what what if this person that has like no kids and makes a lot of money and you know all those those threatening to my my home stability thing can be a little much.
1: When you're comparing the idea of somebody versus the reality of yourself. Yeah. So like is that what you're saying? Is your you're maybe would struggle a little bit with what you would see them as? Yeah. Okay.
2: Because often it can be, without realizing it, it can really be about what's in your head, about what you're lacking or what you're afraid you're not giving your partner or what you're afraid they might want more than what you can give, right? I mean, so much of this gets into fear and all of our fear-based thinking.
0: Yeah, fear is a big one. With mine and the comparison is usually a sex drive thing or a body image thing. Those are my two comparisons. Because my sex drive, I'm in, you know how you ebb and flow? I'm on the the downside right now where I'm like, I don't really have interest in sexual stuff right now, at least not to the extent I used to. So I'll definitely have moments where I'm like, man, I really want you to go out and find someone with high sexual activity. But at the same time, I'm sad that it's not me that I can't, you know, or um, I struggle with the fear of missing out the FOMO stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily care that he's out doing something but I want to be there too I want to have the same experience
1: (laughs) well and it's sometimes a challenge because I still have my ebbs and my flows Mm -hmm. and I've been I guess for lack of a better term ramped up (laughs) (laughs) Springtime,
2: baby everything's in blue
1: (laughs) especially with all this quarantine I'm like well I'm bored let's use what I've got (laughs) (laughs) And then that I also sometimes, well, you talked about body image too, mm-hmm. and and I like a range of body images. I think that humans are beautiful and all shapes and sizes. They each bring their own unique characteristic. Mm-hmm. So I like a range for the reason why everyone's different. Right. And I know that you and I have had a conversation plenty of times about why I don't want you to worry about that comparison because... You do bring unique things to my heart and to my eyes.
0: Well and you always tell me too when I'm stuck in the comparison of she's more this or she's less this or whatever, it's not more or better. It's different. Everyone's different. And you can get your heart lit on fire or your dick lit on fire by one thing from someone and one thing from someone else. It hopefully, doesn't make it better.
1: Hopefully it's not the dick lit on fire because <laughs> I think.
0: Uh, I mean, it could happen.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I meant like passion, uh, not like STD fire.
1: Okay. <laughs>
2: It's when it itches and burns that you have to worry about
0: it. <laughs> I don't even know where to go from there.
1: Well, I know. I just mean, so you said something, and I forgot what I was going to reference, because you started talking about burning dicks. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I verbally prairie dog. I verbally out there prairie-dogged I again. Okay, so Kiki, it's interesting the dynamic that your V has – And there's one aspect of it specifically that if you're willing to talk about, I'd like to talk about because I don't think it's anything that we've really fully covered on our podcast. And that's a polyamorous person dating monogamous person. And it seems like both of your partners to a degree kind of fall into the monogamy or monogamy ish side of things. Is there any kind of insight or discussion that you'd be willing to share on that side of this?
2: For us, we have to get to a point of accepting, and this is really hard, and it it comes up, that we are choosing this every day, but we're very different, and that may be a choice that eventually ends. Right now, every day when we get to it, like it'll come up, I'll have a connection with someone or it comes up through kink a lot and either one of my Uh, Partners, they're all that into kink, and so neither one of them really want to play. And I'm very much into kink, so it is a straight-up need in my life. So it can come up that way. So we roll up our sleeves and we get in the muck of it, you know. And we talk about it, and we reach a point where we're we're like, is this still worth the sacrifices on both of our parts? What is the clear final boundary? Is it something that we can say yes to? and as long as it continues to be yes then we're okay but we do live with the idea that one day that choice might not be so easy and we might need different things because we inherently are different in how we define things so it is a compromise for both of us he has to compromise that i already had a pre-existing condition um you know when we when we met and i have to compromise that he's really not okay with sex and it's it is sex i can have cuddle partners and i can have subs and i can have humans that i kiss and i snuggle with and i as long as we just do not have actual sex
1: when it comes to that it's really interesting that you talk about how you make this conscious decision every day and i think that that's a really great thing to highlight in a scenario in all of polyamory but in the Polymono specifically and I think that that's it's really insightful that you guys do that and that's exciting Doing good
0: today You're doing good
1: (laughs) Still thinking about burning (laughs)
0: dates
1: So you and your second partner who actively chooses to stay monogamous have been together for many many years now and I know that you'd mentioned that earlier on there was a lot of work to go through, and then it's gotten easier, and then the coronavirus has brought us all home. But some of that early on conversation, some of that early hard work that you had to do, is there stuff in there that you could use in a way to help listeners who are new to this concept in how they might be able to better process or work together to make a polymono relationship work? A little more easily or fluidly?
2: I think it's hard to, to speak on because we're all so different, right? We all come with the same problem. You, you put a, a bowl of fruit in front of us and we're all going to see different fruit first or we're all going to describe it differently, right? Because we're all coming from our own perspectives and experiences and even where you sit changes your view, right? So with us, I think it was accepting getting away from blaming each other And really getting to learn how to state what it was that felt so big for us. Then trying to hear that without it being like a limitation or an ultimatum. So the first few conversations that we had about it were just straight up. He's also Christian. So that's different too. We come from very different, like philosophical point. We're very different in how we see the world. So even just trying to align that way, our very own relationship felt wrong to him based in a spiritual way. So it was hard to even get through all of that. Eventually, just the time of doing it, really trying to hear it what was fear-based and understand the fear so that we could come up with a solution or a boundary or an agreement or something that, that felt safer is a lot of times it's really just a person saying this makes me feel really unsafe. I'm scared to be attached to you because you're attached to other people and I'm afraid you're going to leave me. So many times when that comes through and we listen to kind of where that is, it's like, okay, what is it that's making you afraid so that we can come up with some way where I can talk about it, reassure you, you know, put in a safe word. I don't know, you know, whatever works.
1: Yeah, that's actually fantastic. That's mm-hmm. profound advice. I think that's wonderful. I, I appreciate you sharing that.
0: Yeah. If you could go back to the beginning or just earlier on, is there anything that you think you would change or do different, knowing that we all you know, get to where we are because of what we went through, but is there anything small or big even that you would change or do different?
2: I mean, I have partners that I miss. And I, 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 I had to say goodbye to her. They had to say goodbye to me. That I always wish that was different. I have never really experienced monogamy, and uh, you know, I have monogamy. It's funny because I do experience monogamy, right? A lot of people would tell me, a lot of poly people. Like to tell me that I'm not even necessarily Polly. even well, I'm Polly and then, you know, it doesn't necessarily qualify. We have lots of people that have opinions on how to do this the right way, which is a whole nother topic for a whole nother day. <laughs> I I miss some of the choices that I made to limit myself and that's one thing with my partners now I don't feel like I limit myself Um, and I think that's why I can freely choose it because there were times that I did give up on dating other people or a, a relationship because a partner wasn't okay with me dating them and that was hard and didn't always turn out to be the best decision. I really, it's with anything. It's the times that I haven't listened to my heart or my gut when I have known how I was feeling and I've compromised that to the point of compromising who I was, that I regret. But most of my choices now have come from that and so that's why I guess it's easy to choose to be with somebody and not be poly all the time because, you know, able to date other people Um, freely. I can date, okay, able to fuck other people. (laughs) Most people don't want to date if there's no fucking involved, though. I'll tell you that. It is. It's hard to get people because there is, you know, a romantic element, sexual element to this and what we do. And so when they hear that that's off the table, a lot of times it's hard for me to even, like, make
0: connections with people. So that can be really challenging. I really understand that being demisexual myself, I don't get sexual right away. And then the fact that my sex drive is down in general... I want to date. I want to do all these things and I want to connect and I want to cuddle and all the things, but I don't want to fuck right now. I'm just not in that place. And same as you're saying, when I have that conversation with someone, maybe before we even meet and we're just talking online and I'm like, Hey, I'm really not looking for sex. They don't take that well. And they don't even want to get to know me. And then of course that's a shot to my ego where I'm like, Oh man, am I just good for a piece of ass? You know?
2: (laughs) Right. Also being in the poly groups like sometimes people are like why the hell are you even in this if you're not looking to hook up and it's like oh I didn't realize that you know you had to be on the prowl in order <laughs> to be here. I thought this was just people that are down for poly and down for the idea of poly. I know a lot of people that are really into poly that aren't practicing poly. Does that mean we take your card? No. You, you have to forget the secret chant sh- handshaker out of the club. Because yeah. you're not, you don't have like five partners. Yeah,
0: I feel that a lot where I feel like, well, what's the term imposter syndrome? Mm. I feel like I'm an imposter, right? I've got a, a poly podcast that I co-host on and he te- typically will have partners and dates and uh, partners kind of come and go more so in his life. So I feel like this huge imposter, like I'm the monogamous one because I don't have any current other partners, you know?
1: Well, and what I think this all boils down to with what Bella's trying to say and with what Kiki's talking about is that the premise of polyamory is is that you love more than one. You love many. You can love them in various different ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If, if we're to try to understand that polyamory is different for everybody then a poly-mono relationship is great. And a closed V without any extending branches is great. And a, a set quad. I mean, you can close off as much as you need to right? because we all find our own levels of polysaturation. And that may not be what other people's are. I've met people online who feel like they need to date everyone they come in contact with and for them, that's great. Yeah. I'm not even going to diminish that because for them, that's what works. And sometimes people tend to forget that it's not a numbers game and that it's okay to have a closed V or a closed triad or a polymono relationship. It's okay to love the way you want to love. And I think that that sometimes gets lost.
0: Yeah. I think people get excited too, especially when they're newer and they're like, oh, Suddenly I can have five partners. Perfect. I'm going to go on the hunt for five partners. Like they get so excited and into the idea. that sometimes I think they forget to just genuinely connect with people.
1: Yeah. And I think like for me, that's where I'm at. I need to genuinely Mm -hmm. connect. I will date more than Bella does, but I'm not going to date somebody, if I don't feel like there's a connection, I'm not going to do it just so I can have another partner. I'm actually very selective. It may not seem like it to the people that know me and hang out with me because I love all my friends and I'm (laughs) a very huggy person and I'm very flirty, but I'm also incredibly selective on who I want to spend my time with. And for people who aren't as selective as I am, they might not understand the choices that I make. Right. And then further, they might not understand the choices that either of you are making because it just doesn't make sense. Because if they're poly and they see it this way, why doesn't everyone else see it that way? Right. And sometimes that's when we need to take a step back and have empathy for the situation and learn that everybody is different. And, and then things seem a little easier. Yeah.
2: That well, would- and also you have all these choices, right? And just like ebb and flow. Uh, I mean, I, my interest in poly will ebb and flow. My interest in having other things, I will be chugging along just fine with all the shit I got going on and just be, okay, I'm at capacity. And then if I meet someone, it'll be like, oh, oh, wait a minute. Hey, <laughs> how are you doing? But, you know, I can be chugging along. And then there are times where I'm just like, let's get on life and look for something because <laughs> I'm... I'm feeling it, I'm ranting and what I'm craving connection. And, you know, being with a monogamous partner, a lot of times I've also taken those as cues that, like, maybe it's time to put some back into our relationship. Because what I'm really looking for is that excitement and that NRE and that, like, rush of feeling. And so I have learned sometimes it doesn't always work because sometimes it really is about, like, I want to connect with a different human. But sometimes it's about, like, I just want to connect with people that I feel uh, that I love and do something exciting and do something that fulfills that need and that that's not always about sex with new people. It's about like just new experiences.
1: So it's interesting because you talk about being at capacity and then you talk about finding someone new that you didn't intend to find. Do you find yourself sometimes learning how to adjust your capacity to allow other presence into your existence? And if so, how do you do that?
2: Yeah, I do think that we're very creative humans. And if we want something, we're going to find ways <laughs> to fund it, right? <laughs> like I am anyway. A lot of times that's personal time. Like I notice that I'll cut into to anything that I feel is like extra, just benefits me. So all of a sudden I'm not going on walks in the morning because I'm texting my person or you know I don't know that's a weird example but something like that or just kind of juggling it out um sometimes I'm not making smart choices and I'm just funding whatever holds my attention at the time and then dealing with the shit that catches up to me that says hey I'm still here and you're ignoring me we're a very distracted culture we have a lot of demands going on and I think that the juggle is a struggle. I say that a lot, like juggling it. Like, <laughs> I want everything that I see. I want like, I want the pie and I want the mashed potatoes and I want that. I was going to say beef Wellington. I don't even know what that is, but I feel like it would be at a, a, <laughs> a smorgasbord. I want that too. And I want to try this and I want to try, you know, so I'm that person already. So I have to watch. Saturation has always been hard for me because I'm, a new experienced person. So yeah, I think budgeting time and and juggling that is for every human being right now. And I think poly folks have it even harder because of that.
1: I really like what you said. The juggle is a struggle. (laughs) That's so good. So (laughs) I do have to ask, this isn't quite poly related, but you've mentioned being a new experienced person multiple times. Mm -hmm. I am very much that. My question is, Have you always been that or did you have a traumatic experience in your life that made you suddenly realize that new experiences are the way to have?
2: Um, No, I really haven't had a lot of trauma in my life. I have been raised, I was in fact raised by somebody who was very overprotective and very much like, oh, don't do those things because they're scary. And uh, we talked about regrets earlier. I gave up that eight year first relationship because he wanted to move off to San Francisco and that was too scary for me. And so it was like, no, I'm not going to do it. And I let my fear get in the way. And that was probably the point where, so maybe that is trauma, but um, not in the way that I would think about, you know, a a traumatic situation, but definitely a life changing situation where I decided I didn't want to be somebody that was afraid of having new experiences. So that, that was probably when I started saying yes instead of no. And now I say yes, and I'm like, hmm, maybe we should pause and think about it before we say yes.
1: <laughs> so it's interesting that we came to that because that's kind of where I ended up being. Uh, you talked about how you were too afraid to move to San Francisco, mm-hmm. and that changed the way that you look at things. Before that, there was a lot of fear of the unknown, what it sounded like. Which is uh,
0: where I'm still sitting. My anxiety kicks up. If I don't know where we're going, oh my God, I don't want to go because I don't I don't know what it is.
1: Right. So I'm so, still a
0: step behind you guys.
1: <laughs> when I was a kid and a teenager, I mean, like as a kid, you know, we were all invincible. And so we would all do stupid shit. It wasn't until I got shot in the head that I suddenly was like, wait a minute, life is valuable and precious and You never know when it's going to end. So experience what you got while you're alive. Because I was raised by a parent who instilled fear, intentionally or unintentionally. I don't entirely know. I don't care. But she instilled a lot of fear, like, don't go out after dark. And we can't move to the big city because the child molesters and the rapists are everywhere. Same. You know, (laughs) moved over to Walla Walla, Washington. And it was a prison town. At first, we moved from California where, you know, everyone's preying on children to Washington. She's like, oh, you're going to love it here. It's nice. You will have more freedoms. We get there. There's a prison there. So don't go anywhere because there's escaped inmates everywhere. (laughs) And like everyone's out to kill you. And so it instilled a lot of fear. So Mm -hmm. when I got shot and I realized it doesn't matter who's out there to get you. Anything can happen at any time. Experience what you got while you've got it. So when you were talking a lot about needing to have new experiences, it just brought me back all of that. And I I rabbit holed really hard and I apologize, but it's just exciting to talk to someone who's experienced something that has turned their life around and given them the freedom to explore their existence. So that was really exciting. And I appreciate you sharing. Okay,
2: Well, I feel like I signed up for, like, a little bit of therapy today, too, because I'm, like, going deep and going, you know, no, no. And then I'm like, well, actually, um, hmm,
0: maybe that is rooted in some deep stuff. <laughs> so going forward, if you could picture your life down the road, what are your hopes, your dreams? Where do you picture your love life, your relationships? What are you looking forward to down the line? Let's
1: make it as broad as
0: possible. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Well, you know, I would like to own land and make the <laughs> and utopian community, although, I don't know, I, I, none of us are very DIY people, so when I always think about that, I'm like, we, hopefully we'll meet the DIY people that can help us not starve on this land, because I can't even get them to put in a garden with me.
0: Um. <laughs> I really want to do the garden, but I'm also a fucking princess, and I'm like, someone needs to make it for me. <laughs>
1: And I don't want to do it because I'll do all the work all the time. Right. So you would like a big commune. Mm -hmm.
2: I mean, realistically, so there's like the fantasy world, which is that for sure. Like I I would love, I lived in community. I have been poly. I manage a bunch of humans for a living. I taught preschool for 20 years. Like I am a relationship driven person. So I'm all about connection. And for me, it fills me to have lots of people and different, connections in my life. It can be exhausting, but it's a kind of exhausting that I still always figure out ways to fund um, because it also gives back as much as it takes. So I, yes, but I also, you know, I also imagine us like finally raising the kids and getting a little place that always stays clean where the kitchen doesn't get full of dishes. And the three of us live in a, you know, in the city somewhere. And our biggest complaint is that the, the, Always get frustrated that they have to go down to the street to smoke you know like
1: <laughs> so living through your polyamorous experience and all of this existence do you have a recent memory that just really warms your heart and makes you so glad that you've chosen this part of your life and that you keep working on this part of your life every day
2: you know, I, I recently have noticed, especially in this time where we're very dependent on each other because we only try to go out, I mean, not even once a day if we can avoid it. And my uh, partners are often considering each other all the time. They will be somewhere and they'll think, oh, I bet they would love to have a soda. They haven't had a soda in so long. I'm just gonna grab them one, you know? And I know that that sounds really silly and little, but whenever I see them act on each other's best interests and behalf that aren't necessarily centered around me or the family or me being pleased or anything, but just in genuine care about the other person, that feels amazing. And I am so happy to be a part of that just because it's, I don't know, I'm just seeing their relationship and how deep it has gotten. I'm not sure that either one of them would be as connected to a friend you know they have a very special they hate the word metamorph we use it I, I use it to poke at them um, <laughs> but, and 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 I don't know what the word is for it, it I've, I've talked to, I think, Bella about this, that there's like compersion is like when you're happy for your partner. But what is it when your metas are happy for each other or think about each other? And that, you know, is really special. And I'm not somebody that really ever wanted like kitchen table poly. I wasn't super into that idea. Um, I love that people are into it. I like my experiences separate for a lot of different reasons. But this is as close as it comes to me. And it has really happened despite my own ideas about what I thought would work best, which is also, I mean, often the case. (laughs) But yeah, whenever they show connection, or like, I'll come in and they're watching a movie that they've seen also a lot of times. And they're genuinely like laughing with each other and enjoying it and hanging out and experiencing that together. It's wonderful on a lot of levels, but it's also very heartwarming to see it.
0: Yeah, and for me as someone who man, all I want is to really connect to a meta. Like I really want a meta to become a best friend, you know, like Mm -hmm. of course I would never force anything, but I, I hope for that to happen naturally. And it just really hasn't lately. I can imagine how great that would be just to have that relationship of, man, I really care about this person for no reason other than I choose to care about this person.
1: And so I'm really glad that your partners experience that regularly.
2: Yeah, it's not beautiful when they start to like gang up or like yeah. start saying like, <laughs> hey, it's like, no, 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 no. You don't get the butt in here. This is
0: <laughs> it's not two against one. That's not cool.
1: I totally get that because when my wife and I were together and I was fresh in my relationship with Bella, they would do that. They would, um, <laughs> like I was the hinge on the V, but they were close enough many times where they're like, hey, we want to do this thing. This is how we're going to get Joshua to do this thing. <laughs> yeah, that's a good time. It's always a good
2: time. Um, I also never, like we were talking about the movies and things, they, I'm always outvoted. They they have what they want to watch and what they want to see is often, you know, and they get their vote, which I think I have argued should only count as one, but nobody's listening to me. <laughs> Because it's always gonna be the same. So but then we'll always be a stalemate. So
1: change that from a voting system to like a rights of conquest system. <laughs> and just get like a battle axe and shield or something and go at it. Of course, nerf weapons, because <laughs> we don't really want to hurt each other. <laughs> that's what you want. <laughs>
2: No, I like that idea. I would I would probably have better odds if it were about conquest for sure. I'm a scrapper.
1: Or rock, paper, scissors also is a good way of doing it. You'd have a little a little standoff, like a a bracket system where everyone plays everyone and the winner of the entire bracket gets the vote. (laughs) And the cool thing is there's a big psychology behind rock, paper, scissors, there's actually giant tournaments for this, I don't know if you're aware of this, but there are giant rock, paper, scissors tournaments, and they've developed an entire psychology system where you can determine, based on someone's personality, which item they're gonna throw first. (laughs) And so you pay attention to their psychology (laughs) to decide what you're gonna throw to counter what you anticipate (laughs) them throwing first. So you can do rock, paper, scissors, And then do a ton of research on it. (laughs) (laughs) I did. I do. We did. Oh, I don't know. Twelve years ago at work, we had a giant rock paper scissors (laughs) tournament.
2: All right, let's do it. Rock paper scissors.
0: Yes.
1: Okay. Wait. 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 Yeah. 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 Wait. 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 Is
0: it one, two, three? Then show. Yeah. One, two, three. Yeah. Okay. One. One, two, three. (laughs)
1: They're going to do it up high. One, One two,
0: two, three, three two. two. Oh, uh,
1: my <laughs> so the first time that she did it, I saw that she threw scissors. Yeah. So my thought was, oh, she's going to realize she threw scissors. So she still wants to win. So she's going to throw a rock <laughs> because that's. Oh, seems like a nature thing. Way more analyzing. I'm telling you, there's <laughs> a psychology behind this.
2: So I knew that I threw scissors the first time, and I thought I'd better ch- do it again, because you might have seen it and would have thought it through. So I stayed consistent on purpose. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, at least you got to win rock, paper, scissors against both of us at the same time on your
0: birthday. <laughs> birthday, scissors. <laughs>
1: birthday scissors could have multiple contacts. Yeah.
0: Right? It yeah. could <laughs> get even better. <laughs> even time.
1: With that said, <laughs> I do think that this specific episode is over. Do you care to hang out afterwards and talk about birthday scissor type stuff?
0: <laughs> Whatever. Okay. This has cool. been so much fun. Well, this has been a really fun conversation. I'm so glad that you joined us today for your birthday. Thank you for having me.
1: It was a fantastic time, and it brought a lot of cheer to my day. Yeah. And I hope that we helped brighten that little tiara you're wearing on your head. (laughs) (laughs) And we appreciate you taking the time to talk about all sorts of stuff, too. We haven't really covered and some of the things that we may have covered differently. Yeah. So it helped bring a lot of great perspective to the show and and I value all the input that you gave.
2: Yeah. Thanks for the opportunity.
1: And I can't wait till we can hang out in person again and we can all party again.
0: Definitely. Definitely need some kiki hugs. Hugs. All right, Polly and fam.
1: We will see you next Tuesday.
0: Thank you for talking your poly off with Bella and Monsina. You can find our Facebook page in the links
1: or by searching for I love poly and liking the page polyamory get your heart on.
0: You can also find I love poly on Instagram and Twitter by searching I love poly cares.
1: If you want us to help you navigate to all of our online presence, check out the show notes or come on over to ILovePoly.org. We would love to hear from you.
0: That's right, and you can get in touch with us by emailing podcast at ilovepoly.org.
1: That's singular podcast, not plural.
0: So until our next discussion, Polly and fam.
1: Live like there's no tomorrow.
0: Laugh until it hurts.
1: And And love love without without limits.
0: limits.